BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. At least one person who's campaigning for Governor Newsom's job is starting to offer specific policy proposals. Republican gubernatorial candidate Kevin Falconer says he wants to eliminate state income taxes for low and middle income Californians. With more, here's KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti. Faulkner is one of the Republicans running to replace Governor Gavin Newsom in the state's recall election. The former San Diego mayor wants to eliminate state tax on income below $50,000, or $100,000 for joint filers. Days after Newsom proposed sending $600 checks to middle-class Californians, Faulkner visited the Bay Area on Wednesday to pitch his plan. We need to do more than simply send people a one-time check. We need permanent, lasting reform. Faulkner's tax cuts would be a pricey commitment, costing the state $15 billion annually. And Faulkner did not offer specific programs he'd like to cut should the state face a revenue shortfall in future years. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Another day, another big proposal from Governor Gavin Newsom. Every four-year-old in the state would get access to a transitional kindergarten under a major education spending plan announced by Newsom yesterday. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño has more. Only about a third of young Californians can get in on the early kindergarten program right now. Newsom's plan would make the extra year of learning universal by the 2024 school year. Patricia Lozano is the executive director of Early Edge California, a nonprofit that advocates for early learning. She says that extra year of school does more than just prepare kids for kindergarten. We know based on research that investing early will help kids to, you know, graduate high school, get better jobs. So it just puts you on the right track. As a bonus, she says there's evidence it could help get women back into the workforce. The governor's plan would also put more money toward after-school and summer school programs in districts that serve lots of high-need students and start $500 college savings accounts for some low-income students. I'm so grateful for this privilege and opportunity to look at transforming public education in the state of California. It was transformed last year for all the wrong reasons. We're now going to transform it in the next five years for all the right reasons. The ambitious agenda is made possible by booming state tax revenue and federal COVID relief money. It's part of Newsom's $100 billion California comeback plan to rebound from the pandemic. It heads to the legislature at the end of the week in his revised state budget. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. 
Let's turn to higher education and a new and damning state audit of California's online community college. The audit found that in its first year, just 12 of the college's more than 900 enrolled students graduated. And the report found that in the same year, more than 40% of students at the public college called Calbright dropped out. The study also found Calbright's executive team had much higher salaries than people in the same sort of positions in other California community colleges. For example, Heather Hiles, the college's first president, made $398,000 a year, $36,000 more than the next highest community college salary. The audit is calling on the online school to make drastic improvements by the end of next year. Ajita Tallwalker-Menon is the current president and CEO of Calbright College. We are uh, absolutely uh, leaning in and moving forward with uh, a lot of those auditors' recommendations already. So I think it's important for us to, to continue to recognize who needs to be served in this moment. However, a bill in the state legislature proposes just putting an end to Calbright after the 2022-2023 school year. Assemblyman Evan Lowe, who co-sponsored the bill, says Calbright has already cost the state too much. I personally would never recommend students to a student that they enroll in a school with so many red flags. The bill passed the assembly last week and is waiting for a committee hearing in the Senate. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Governor Newsom says the state's mask mandate will likely change around June 15th, the date he's targeting to reopen the state. Speaking at a news conference yesterday in Monterey, the governor said there will likely still be rules in place for indoors. We will be updating our mask guidelines, outdoor masking, if we reach that threshold where we hope to be. Uh, in fact, we'll be eliminating those mandates. There'll be guidelines and recommendations, but for indoor activities, Newsom says he hopes those indoor rules will be able to be lifted sooner rather than later as well. Hospital care at home is nothing new for patients with low-level health needs. But since the pandemic, a growing number of health care providers, including California giant Kaiser Permanente, are offering people with more serious health conditions hospital-level treatment in the comfort of their homes. Stephanie O'Neill reports. 
Pandemic isolation finally got to Janet Yetinikian, her husband, and two teenage kids late last year. So in December, when friends invited the Glendale family to join an afternoon barbecue, they eagerly accepted. We just go, okay, we've been home all this time. You know, let's just go a few hours and come back. The day after the gathering, the host came down with fever. A test confirmed COVID-19. Within two weeks, Janet's husband and kids got mild cases of the disease, while her blood oxygen plummeted to dangerously low levels. And a few days later, I had to go to the hospital. Treatment included an IV drip of the antiviral drug remdesivir and constant monitoring, things normally done in a hospital. So it surprised Janet when her doctor at Adventist Health offered to move all her care home to be monitored virtually. It was even better than the hospital. Um, (laughs) They're constantly reaching out. It's time for you to do your vitals. It's time for you to take your medications. Doctors and nurses at a command center nearly 200 miles away manage Janet's care as part of a new federal effort aimed at freeing up hospital beds during public health emergencies. Under the model, about 60 illnesses, including COVID-19, qualify for home treatment. So heart failure, pneumonia, skin infections, those are all patient populations we can safely care for in the home. Dr. Margaret Paulson leads the Mayo Clinic's new home-based care program in rural Wisconsin. Paulson says once her patients understand that home care does not mean less care, they eagerly embrace it. Especially for patients who have been in the hospital a lot, to know that they can actually go home and sleep in their own bed and be with their family and have their pets by their side. It's just really reassuring. And studies suggest at-home care provides better outcomes for patients and costs less to provide than traditional inpatient care. Dr. Kavita Patel is a physician and health policy fellow at the Brookings Institution. This is actually a higher level of touch from physicians and advanced practitioners. 24-7 monitoring and regular video conferencing is augmented by twice-daily in-person visits by nurses and other health workers who provide basic care, such as antibiotics, that can't be given virtually. This isn't just sending, you know, mom or dad to the bedroom. Patel says it's the technology infrastructure that's key, including for patients, Wi-Fi phones, iPads, and wearable devices with emergency call buttons. Rafael Rakowski is co-founder of Medically Home, the tech company that supports at-home programs for the Mayo Clinic, Adventist Health, and others. Another selling point, he says, no facility transfers as patients heal. We stay with the patient until they're fully recovered, and it averages anywhere from 20 to 30 days, sometimes longer. So we substitute not just for the hospital, but for all the care that follows. Still, not every patient is a fit. They have to live within 30 minutes of emergency care. They also need high-speed internet. And, says Patel, they can't be too sick. This can't be something where it's so complicated that you are monitoring a patient worried that they could crash and need to be in the ICU within minutes. But for moderate COVID-19 and dozens of other conditions, she says, acute hospital care at home, now offered in 30 states, is likely to become a more common option. For the California Report, I'm Stephanie O'Neill. Identity theft, fraud, ransomware, there are so many different kinds of cybercrime plaguing the digital landscape. It was bad before the pandemic, and it surged during it. That's why KQED's Rachel Myro tells us some top cybersecurity analysts say it's time for a federal rescue. 
One of the biggest economic scandals during this pandemic, the dumpster fire at California's Employment Development Department. The agency was completely unprepared for a surge in demand and also a surge in hackers, many of them in prison, keen to get a piece of the action. Our own Mary Franklin Harvin has been following the story for The California Report. Around Thanksgiving last year, DAs from across the state came together to announce that over 30,000 fake unemployment claims had been filed in the names of people incarcerated in California. Ugh, epic fail at exactly the moment so many Californians desperately need help. But the EDD and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation are hardly the only state or local government agencies with abysmal IT. Ancient software, limited budgets, it's an old story. It's hard to make it tangible until it's too late right? And all your systems are locked up. And those same people that have been asking for support either end up getting fired or moved along because how could you let this happen? Matt Masterson was a senior advisor at the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Now he's at Stanford's Internet Observatory. He says federal funding could help state and local agencies across the country get up to speed. Whether it's at the grid level, whether it's water treatment plants, whether it's county sheriff's offices, right? That's a matter of public safety. But there is no comprehensive digital infrastructure investment bill moving on Capitol Hill, possibly because many lawmakers are worried about providing money without direction for how to spend it. I love that idea, but I think money is not sufficient. Ro Khanna is one of several Bay Area Congress members who represents Silicon Valley. He says any federal rescue has to be led by the right people, the kind of people more likely to be working in private industry today than government IT, even at the federal level. It's really going to take a partnership with leading technologists, leading people in design, a move away from some of the legacy systems. Kana's hit on an obvious first fix. State and local agencies could start by switching to commercially available software and systems. They wouldn't be impervious to hacking, no system is, but they benefit from the close attention of lots and lots of software engineers all over the world. Again, Matt Masterson. How do we help move some of these institutions, for instance, off of running their own email servers up into the cloud? right, where we know that you can provide greater protection, the companies that provide that support have more advanced security apparatus. Given the tax surplus in the state capital this spring, not to mention the local IT talent, you might ask why California needs to wait for the federal government to step in. For The California Report, I'm Rachel Myro in Menlo Park. And finally this morning, let's consider the night sky and the beauty of darkness. On a clear evening, thousands of stars can be visible to the naked eye. But light pollution from cities and towns can overwhelm the grandeur of the heavens and make the night sky look kind of dull and washed out. Well, some places are fighting back. The San Diego County mountain town of Julian has just been certified as an official dark sky community by the International Dark Sky Network. That means Julian has put in place measures to cut down its light pollution, like promoting the use of special bulbs and light timers to reduce needlessly harsh glare. Julian is only the 13th community to get the official dark sky designation and the second in California. The other is nearby Borrego Springs. 
And that is the California Report for Thursday, May 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.